going on, everyone? My name is Jamon McKinney, or you can just call me Juice because that is my nickname. Welcome, everyone, to the Juice Alert, episode number 18. Please note that this is part two of episode 18, and in this episode, we are specifically going to talk about Dwayne Haskins getting benched, what is Washington's biggest problem as an organization. We'll talk about Ben Roethlisberger. We'll talk about the Cleveland Browns. And we'll talk about Justin Herbert, along with a couple of other things. If you have not subscribed to the Juicler already, be sure to do that right about now. You will not regret it. You can find me on YouTube as well as podcasting platforms. I will say I am a little bit behind as far as some of the things I am covering in in this episode, and I have included some of the short clips in this episode that I have dropped on YouTube recently just because I want my podcasting platform people to hear everything that I have to say, you know, so listen, if you're not subscribed to me on YouTube already, you're missing out, you know, you get some of the most instant content from me, be sure to subscribe to me on YouTube if you have not already, if you just solely listen to me on podcasting platforms. Also, I cannot thank you guys enough for helping me reach 3,000 subscribers. You know, it's been a long journey here on YouTube. A lot of hard work has been put in on put in on my end, and I appreciate all of you that consistently tune into my shows and keep me going here on YouTube. I thank you all. Hopefully, we can reach 3,500 subscribers by the end of the year. That is that was my goal at the start of the at the start of the year. Also, if you can follow me on social media, that'd be great as well. I love to connect with you guys on Twitter and Instagram. You can find my main Twitter account at G-H-I-M-A-N-M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y on Twitter. You can find the Juice Alerts Twitter account, you know, on Twitter as well, you know, at the Juice Alert. You can also find me on Instagram at G-H-I-M-A-N underscore M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. That's my main Instagram. And the Instagram account for the Juice Alert show is the Juice Alert underscore. Okay, people, let's talk about Dwayne Haskins. For those of you that have been following my channel for a long time, you guys know that I'm a big Dwayne Haskins guy. I said when Dwayne Haskins was drafted by Washington that this guy has the ability to be a franchise quarterback. I felt that one day he could develop into a top 10 quarterback. I said this guy has the arm talent, the swagger, you know, the accuracy and the mental makeup to turn the Washington organization around. Okay, I said that, okay? And Dwayne Haskins has been benched in favor of Kyle Allen through four weeks of the 2020 NFL season. In fact, Dwayne Haskins isn't even the second string quarterback on the roster. Alex Smith is the second-string quarterback. So Dwayne Haskins is the third-string quarterback in Washington as we speak today, right now. Let's talk about it, okay? There's a lot to unpack right here. Now, I'm going to address Ron Rivera's decision to bench Dwayne Haskins. While I do not agree with the decision to bench Dwayne Haskins at all, I think it's, I think it's a bad move on Ron Rivera's part. While I disagree with it, I understand why Ron Rivera made this move. I really do. Okay, do I agree? Do I agree with it? No. Do I agree with the approach Ron Rivera has taken in, in regards to developing Dwayne Haskins? No, but I understand it. And if you want to blame anyone for Dwayne Haskins being on the bench right now, blame Daniel Snyder because Daniel Snyder was the one that drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first place when last year no one on that coaching staff wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins. And guess what? 
Ron Rivera, he didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. He was on. He was not on the Washington coaching staff last year. He was in Carolina last year. So Ron Rivera has every right to come in and say, "Hey, this isn't my guy." You know, maybe I don't like him. Maybe I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Let's move on. Let's bring in my guy Kyle Allen and see what he can do. Ron Rivera has that right. Okay, Ron Rivera has no ties to Dwayne Haskins. And listen, Ron Rivera, I respect the guy wholeheartedly. Ron Rivera, to me. I think he's a top 10 head coach. I think Ron Rivera, I've said in the past, Ron Rivera has the potential to turn the Washington football team around. And listen, Ron Rivera has played in the NFL before as a player. Ron Rivera coached for a long time at Carolina. He actually got the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera knows his football. So if he feels that Dwayne Haskins is not giving his team enough of a chance to win, then I have to respect what Ron Rivera is doing right here by benching Dwayne Haskins even though I disagree with the decision. Okay, so I've gotten that out the way. I'm going to now defend Dwayne Haskins because I'm going to pretty much throw out all the things that I said right there and make the the case for why Dwayne Haskins has just been absolutely screwed because I firmly believe that Dwayne Haskins has not gotten a fair shake in Washington. I don't think Dwayne Haskins has been set up to succeed by that organization. And ultimately... I believe that Washington's organization is ruining Dwayne Haskins. I will tell you why. There are some problems with Dwayne Haskins at the moment. Dwayne Haskins has not been knocking people's socks off. You know, he's missed some throws. You know, he hasn't been going through his reads properly at times. But so has Sam Darnold. You know, Sam Darnold has problems. You can say the same thing about Daniel Jones. You can say the same thing about a lot of young quarterbacks out there. Heck, Kyler Murray. A couple weeks ago versus the Detroit Lions, he had three interceptions in that game. He had three interceptions versus the Detroit Lions. Dwayne Haskins is a young quarterback, and I believe Dwayne Haskins has gotten a raw deal in Washington. Considering the horrible situations that Dwayne Haskins has been put in throughout his young career, 11 starts is not a good enough sample size to truly judge Dwayne Haskins. I've always said... I'm going to give young quarterbacks three to four years to prove to me that they can be the guy. Rookie season, okay, house money. Whatever success happens, happens, okay? Your sophomore season, I want to see improvement. And then your third or fourth season, I want to see a final product. And what people fail to realize is this. The Washington organization has failed Dwayne Haskins from the jump. They just have. Because what Washington needed to realize was Dwayne Haskins only played one year of college football at Ohio State. He only had, he only got 13 starts in college. What does that tell you? That tells you he's inexperienced. He's raw. He needs time to develop. He needs the proper coaching. He needs the proper infrastructure. And he needs a good team around him, especially early on to succeed. Maybe later on, once Dwayne Haskins develops, you know, he can become, you know, the franchise quarterback. And maybe you don't have to build around him as much. But as of right now, and based on what we knew about Dwayne Haskins heading into the NFL, we knew this guy needed some time to develop and grow. And guess what? Washington has not put the infrastructure in place for Dwayne Haskins to maximize his talents and for Dwayne Haskins to develop properly. Dwayne Haskins has been screwed. Imagine being drafted by a team that did not want to draft you. Imagine going to a team with a bottom five offensive line. Imagine going to a team with limited weapons at wide receiver and a running back out the gate. 
Imagine going to a team with a bad defense, you know, because last year the Washington football team had a bad defense. Imagine going to a team last year that finished with only three wins and with the number two overall pick in the draft. Imagine having to go to that team and the coaching staff isn't even fully committed to developing you properly, not to mention you're an inexperienced quarterback that's very talented but very raw because you only started about 13 games in college. And imagine the very next year having a coach come in and not be fully all in on you and not give you the proper opportunity to develop and pretty much admit to the press that, oh, Dwayne Haskins was behind in his development because he didn't get preseason games this year. He was behind because Kyle Allen and Alex Smith know the playbook much better than Dwayne Haskins. Ron Rivera literally came out and said that Alex Smith and Kyle Allen have the advantage because they've been in the system before and Dwayne Haskins is behind because he did not get enough time in the offseason to prepare. Well, Ron Rivera, what did you expect from Dwayne Haskins? Did you expect him to go out there and throw for three touchdown passes versus the Baltimore Ravens? Did you expect him to go out there and dominate versus the Philadelphia Eagles? Did you expect him to go out there and light the world on fire? I I think Ron Rivera is sadly mistaken if he felt that Dwayne Haskins was going to go out there and dominate and look amazing due to the circumstances that Dwayne Haskins has been put in. Not to mention, what did Washington do in the offseason to help out their young quarterback, Dwayne Haskins? Did they improve the offensive line? No. Did they, did they sign a wide receiver? No. They signed Dontrell Inman off the streets because Kelvin Harmon tore his ACL. You know, the Antonio Gibson draft pick was cool. The Antonio Gandy Golden draft pick was cool, even though he's a fourth-round pick out of Liberty that can't seem to get on the field. What did Washington do in the offseason to help their young quarterback be better? What has Washington done to pull for this kid? and develop him properly. They've done nothing to Dwayne Haskins to help him develop properly. That lies on Daniel Snyder, the owner. I'm not even going to blame Ron Rivera for this. Like I said, because Ron Rivera, he just got to Washington. If he doesn't like Dwayne Haskins, fine. It's whatever. But Daniel Snyder, if you think that Dwayne Haskins is the franchise quarterback, you need to bring in a coach that actually, you know, is going to embrace Dwayne Haskins, okay? Dwayne Haskins has been failed by his organization. And it's a shame to see because I see guys like Patrick Mahomes, you know, coming into the NFL as rookies, not being able to read defenses, being very inaccurate at college, but having the proper infrastructure and the proper roster around him to succeed. Same thing with Josh Allen, same thing with Lamar Jackson, and even the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky. We could talk greasy about Mitch Trubisky all we want, but guess what? The Chicago Bears, they gave Mitchell Trubisky every single ample opportunity to go out there and prove that he was a franchise quarterback, even when it was obvious that he stunk, that he was awful, that he was doo-doo, that he was terrible. They gave Mitch Trubisky every single opportunity to go out there, make mistakes, and try to develop properly. Washington has not done that with Dwayne Haskins. And ultimately, as of right now, Washington is ruining Dwayne Haskins' development as a quarterback, and they are failing this young kid. To give up on Dwayne Haskins after only four starts into his sophomore season, and honestly, this is kind of Dwayne Haskins' rookie season, as last year he was ruined by the coaching staff. But to give up on Dwayne Haskins 
That's a lame duck move. And I understand that Ron Rivera has a job to do. He has to go out there and try to win football games. But Ron Rivera has time. I don't think Ron Rivera is going to get fired after this year if the team does bad. Ron Rivera said himself in the offseason that we are, we're going to try to rebuild this football team from the ground up. And I understand that the NFC East is up for grabs this year, and it's not a very good division. But that honestly should imply that, hey, because the NFC East is so bad, let's roll out Dwayne Haskins and see what he see what he's got. Because this division is going to beat up on itself time in and time out. I understand that Ron Rivera has a job to do. I'm not even going to knock Ron Rivera for making this move too much more, okay? But in the end, Dwayne Haskins, in my eyes, has gotten a raw deal in Washington. More times than not, quarterbacks are not properly developed in the NFL, and that's ultimately why they fail. And guess what, people? If you put good players around Dwayne Haskins, you know what's probably going to happen? He's probably going to throw for a lot of touchdown passes like he did at Ohio State because when Dwayne Haskins had a great team at Ohio State, he broke Big Ten records. He had the greatest season in Big Ten history. So Washington, put good players around him if he's your quarterback for the future. Develop this kid properly. Give him every opportunity to go out there and succeed. And listen, this guy needs reps. This guy's raw. Let him go out there and make mistakes. And you need to figure out what Dwayne Haskins is. Maybe Dwayne Haskins is a bad quarterback. You know, maybe he's a great quarterback. We don't know what Dwayne Haskins truly is. Because last time I checked, you don't judge quarterbacks based on 10 or 11 career starts. If we would have judged Peyton Manning or on 10 or, or 11 career starts, guess what? He's a bust, people. He was doo-doo as a rookie. He was awful. Jared Goff was terrible his rookie year. And guess what? Once Jared Goff got the right infrastructure and a coach that believed in him, guess what? Jared Goff goes to a Super Bowl, baby. Jared Goff looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Ultimately, if Dwayne Haskins gets another opportunity, to become a starting quarterback somewhere, whether it's in Washington or another franchise, he's going to need to be more accurate. He's going to need, he's going to need to be more consistent. He would need to tweak his mechanics. He's not a finished product. But unfortunately, I don't even know if Dwayne Haskins will get another opportunity elsewhere. I hope I am wrong because I fully believe if Dwayne Haskins gets another opportunity, he's going to throw for a lot of touchdowns. He's going to you know change a franchise somewhere. But ultimately, I don't know what Dwayne Haskins' future is. And I hope that Washington trades Dwayne Haskins away to a better franchise. A franchise that has stability and structure. And a franchise that has good players. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe he can, maybe he can become the successor to Ben Rosberger. Hopefully he goes to Carolina, maybe. You know, hopefully Matt Rule and Joe Brady can get their hands on, you know, Dwayne Haskins. You, you saw what, you know, Joe Brady did for Joe Burrow at LSU. He worked magic with Joe Burrow. Hopefully, Dwayne Haskins can, can get an opportunity with the Chicago Bears one day because ultimately, Mr. Trubisky's not the future, and Nick Foles, you know, he's proven to, you know, kind of flame out, you know, in the past, eventually. Maybe Dwayne Haskins can go to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is on a bad contract, and Kirk Cousins has looked doo-doo this year. I hope Dwayne Haskins can maybe go to the Falcons or some other franchise that might potentially need a quarterback for the future. Heck, the Indianapolis Colts, once Phillip Rivers, you know, retires, maybe Dwayne Haskins can go there. I hope Dwayne Haskins gets another opportunity. But unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins' NFL future is boomer bust at this point. And ultimately, Dwayne Haskins is being ruined by Washington's organization. Okay, people. Enough talking about Dwayne Haskins. I'll probably talk about him a little bit in this segment right here. But I want to really zero in on Washington's organization. 
a long time ago, which was roughly 30 to 40 years ago, Washington was categorized as a well-run, great organization. In 1983, that team won a Super Bowl. In 1988, the team won a Super Bowl again. And in 1992, Washington won another Super Bowl. People forget that Washington has won three Super Bowls in their franchise history. They've got three Super Bowls under their belt. You know, teams like the Browns have not won Super Bowls. Washington has won Super Bowls. A long time ago, Washington was looked at as a well-run, great organization. But as of right now, Washington is a bottom-level franchise. When we think of of top-of-the-level franchises, we think of the Patriots, the Steelers, teams that are well-run at the top, teams that, you know, spend money for agency, make the necessary trades, you know, they're not out of control, and they actually have a great infrastructure for their players. Washington, on the other hand, as of right now, the last 25 seasons, they have gotten in the category with the Jaguars and the Jets as teams that are just bottom-level franchises with no stability and no true direction. In fact, in the last 20 years, Washington has only won one playoff game. Stable franchises have more than one playoff victory in 20 seasons. And Washington, they're in that bottom-level franchise category, unfortunately. And a lot of that has to do with Daniel Snyder, the owner. Now, I think that Daniel Snyder has taken some strides. You know, he finally fired Bruce Allen. And Snyder actually brought in a real head coach in Ron Rivera that has gotten to a Super Bowl and has shown that he's capable of turning around a franchise that is lost. And right now, Washington is a lost franchise. And I do believe that over time, Ron Rivera can turn around Washington's organization. And and by the way, I don't agree with Ron Rivera, you know, moving on from Dwayne Haskins, you know, as far as, you know, being the starting quarterback through four games. I truly believe Dwayne Haskins has gotten a, real, a raw deal in Washington, like I mentioned earlier, you know, multiple different head coaches that have not been committed to him for one second, bad offensive lines, limited weapons. Washington has not spent money in for agency to improve the offensive line. They didn't go out and get Dwayne Haskins another weapon at wide receiver. But either way you slice it, you know, I like the fact that Daniel Snyder is allowing Ron Rivera to do what he wants to do because Ron Rivera didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. Daniel Snyder drafted Dwayne Haskins. And in years past, Daniel Snyder would probably have said to the head coach on the team, hey, don't bench Dwayne Haskins no matter what. I like the fact that Snyder is allowing Ron Rivera to do what he wants to do, even though I disagree with Ron Rivera benching Dwayne Haskins like I mentioned earlier, okay? But see, here's the thing. While Washington did draft Chase Young, who's going to be a stud for a long time, in my opinion, if he stays healthy, while Washington has Ron Rivera, and while Daniel Snyder has somewhat turned the corner, Washington will never fully succeed and fully prosper as a franchise until they truly find a franchise quarterback. And Dwayne Haskins might be that guy. He might not be that guy. So far right now, based on the direction that he's going in, fair or unfair, he might not be the guy. I still believe in Dwayne Haskins, but, you know, you never know. And Kyle Allen, you know, he looked good last year at times. He looked bad last year at times. I don't think he's the future. And Alex Smith, I don't think he's the future either. But getting back to my point, until Washington gets a real franchise quarterback and until they actually find ways to build around that quarterback and until Washington is actually patient with the quarterback, they're never going to fully prosper. The Dwayne Haskins story has been a cycle in Washington 
for the last 20 to 25 years. And Kyle Allen is going to get the start versus the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe Kyle Allen is the future right now. I don't believe that he's the future, but if he is, God bless him. But Kyle Allen will mark the 30th starting quarterback to suit up for Washington since 1993. And I'm going to ask you guys this question. When is the last time we have looked at a Washington football team and said, they have truly built a real roster around their quarterback. Maybe in the Kirk Cousins days, you know, because you can't really find too many instances where Washington really truly built a real roster around a quarterback, and you can't find too many instances the last 20 to 25 years in which they've actually hit on a quarterback. There's a reason why Washington has had 30 starting quarterbacks since 1993. You want to know why? It's been because of lack of a great infrastructure, lack of a great culture, and lack of great ownership. Washington's biggest problem has been lacking infrastructure. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking about stability, you know, building a culture, having the right head coach for your quarterback, you know, actually building around that quarterback, giving that quarterback actual time to develop properly. That's one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed that Washington is deciding to move, you know, on from Dwayne Haskins as a starter, you know, four games into the season, just because I don't think you should judge quarterbacks based on their first 11 starts, especially when you take into take into account the situation Dwayne Haskins has been put into. If we judged all quarterbacks by their first 11 starts, like I mentioned earlier, that means Peyton Manning's a bust because Peyton Manning through his first 11 starts was doo-doo. He was awful. And Peyton Manning, he's one of the top three quarterbacks of all time. You have to give quarterbacks time and you have to give quarterbacks the right head coach for them. And you actually need to build around a quarterback. When was the last time we've said Washington has had a great offensive line, great wide receiver core around their quarterback? The closest thing you can maybe say is the RG3 days and Kirk Cousins days, and they were impatient with those guys. And obviously there was some unlucky things that bounced, you know, not in Washington's favor, but the common denominator for Washington and their biggest problem has been they have not been patient with their quarterbacks, and they have failed to actually build a real roster around their quarterbacks. You want to know why Tom Brady is successful? He's successful because he's got a good head coach in Bill Belichick. They have never neglected to address the offensive line. He's always had solid wide receiver targets. They've always had a solid system put in place for Tom Brady, and they've always given him a very good defense. Washington, they just have not, you know, fully you know, giving quarterbacks fair chances and fair opportunities, you know, for the past 20 to 25 seasons. And listen, what if Tom Brady landed with Washington? Do you think Tom Brady would have been the same quarterback that he is today? He wouldn't be the same quarterback he is today. You want to know why? Because Tom Brady was a six-round pick. And you want to know why Tom Brady fully prospered and fully developed? He fully prospered and he fully developed because he had a, he had a great head coach that came in and gave Tom Brady a chance, and they built a great infrastructure around Tom Brady. I'm all about knowing what you have at the quarterback position before you actually get them in that building. I looked at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and I said, this guy is 
ready to start day number one. He can come in. He's played in the national championship game. He's got a lot of experience. He's gone through some growing pains. He's fully, he's properly developed. He's ready to go day number one. When I looked at Lamar Jackson, I said this guy's very talented. I like Lamar Jackson, but he needs to sit the bench for a couple weeks. He needs to be properly developed, and he needs to get into a system that allows him to do what he does best. You can't just put Lamar Jackson into any system and ask him to go out there and fully prosper as a rookie. And Baltimore, they realized that. And they said, hey, let's tailor our scheme towards Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens did not run a Lamar Jackson-friendly offense before Lamar Jackson got there. But John Harbaugh and that coaching staff made the necessary adjustments. And when it comes to Dwayne Haskins, Washington should have known that Dwayne Haskins only started one year of college football. That he was inexperienced. They should have known that he's more of a throwback pocket passer. He plays more like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady rather than playing like Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson. Dwayne Haskins is more of your pocket passer. They needed to address the offensive line. They've, they've yet to address the offensive line for that guy. And ultimately, they've failed Dwayne Haskins, and they failed a lot of quarterbacks very similar to Dwayne Haskins until Washington actually finds a franchise quarterback that is legit. And until they actually build a great infrastructure around that quarterback, and until Washington actually is patient with a quarterback, they will never fully prosper. That has been Washington's biggest problem over the past 20 to 25 years. And until they fix those problems, they will never fully prosper as a franchise. I want to shift to Justin Herbert. Has anyone been paying attention to Justin Herbert this year? Because I have, and I got to tell you, man, I've watched every single Justin Herbert game this year, watched every single snap of each game, and I got to say, man, I'm impressed. I truly am. Justin Herbert has surprised me. I did not think Justin Herbert would be this good this early at this stage in his career in the National Football League. I had some qu- I had some major questions about Justin Herbert, you know, when he was going through the pre-draft process, and I said the San Diego, not the San Diego Chargers, pardon me, I said the Los Angeles Chargers might have made a mistake picking Justin Herbert with the number six overall pick. I was not all in on Justin Herbert. I actually made a video saying that Justin Herbert one day potentially could become a bust. And while every draft prospect pretty much, you know, does have some bust potential, there is rarely a can't-miss prospect, even though Joe Burrow and Chase Young were pretty close to it this year, you know, and they've, you know, delivered so far 100%. But here's the thing, man. I had some huge questions about Justin Herbert, and I was not sure that he was capable of becoming the long-term franchise quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. I admitted that he was going to a good team that had a good roster, a good coaching staff put in place, but I didn't quite know if Justin Herbert would be able to pull through and become the franchise quarterback. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Justin Herbert is going to be a top-10 quarterback one day. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to win you a bunch of Super Bowls. not even saying that he is going to, you know, win a bunch of games this year. But I will say, based on what I've seen so far, I'm impressed. I like what I've seen from Justin Herbert, okay? And the reason why I was very questionable about about Justin Herbert during the pre-draft process was because I saw some missed throws at Oregon on a consistent basis. I didn't think he was that accurate. I saw a lot of misreads. I felt that he was more of a one-read quarterback. Didn't see him going through his progressions on on a regular basis. And Justin Herbert played four years at Oregon, and he did not take the gradual jump year to year that I felt that he should have taken 
on a consistent basis. Okay, I just did not think that Justin Herbert truly flashed enough at Oregon. I felt that Justin Herbert was way too inconsistent, and I actually compared Justin Herbert to a McDonald's burger in the past. I said that when you watch a McDonald's commercial, you see that big juicy burger on your screen, but then when you buy it, sometimes it's not as juicy or as good as advertised on your screen. And I saw Justin Herbert, I saw a big arm quarterback that had a lot of talent, that had had a lot of natural ability but it did not match the production on the field. That's where I got that analogy from. But I got to say, that McDonald's burger looked looked very tasty, you know, in college from time to time. And now I think the final product is there potentially. Justin Herbert, that McDonald's burger turned out pretty well, I should say, okay? It turned out pretty well so far. So, look, Justin Herbert, I'm not all in on Justin Herbert. Not going to crown him, you know, automatically out the gate. But I got to say, I, I like what I've seen from Justin Herbert. And listen. It's pretty easy to spot who has the capabilities of playing at a high level in the National Football League very early on based on the circumstances to a certain degree. You know, if if a quarterback is given a decent chance to succeed in the NFL and they are showcasing immense talent, that shows they potentially can play at a high level for a long time. Example, Joe Burrow. We saw flashes of Joe Burrow in his first game as a starter in the National Football League. The first time we laid our eyes on Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback, we were wowed. We said, wow, that guy looks special. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. We we said that guy throws the ball differently. Deshaun Watson, his rookie year, he was on pace for 43 touchdown passes. We saw Kyler Murray flash early on in his rookie season. If you want to talk about basketball players, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, these guys looked great early on in their career. It did not take long for us to figure out, yeah, these guys are talented and they have the capability to play at a high level in their respective sport. And I see that same thing with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is very capable of playing at a high level. This guy has the requisite size. He's got great mobility. In fact, his first ever career touchdown was a rushing touchdown. And today's NFL, you kind of have to be able to move around a little bit in that pocket. Justin Herbert moves around very well. He's a very good athlete. And his deep ball accuracy has been very impressive. It's very effortless the way he throws the football times. At times, it has looked effortless, man. And I did not see that effortlessness enough consistently at Oregon. But, he, man, he showed off that big arm a lot so far in the National Football League through his first three starts. You look at the 53-yard touchdown pass they threw versus the Buccaneers to Tyrone Johnson. You look at the touchdown they threw off his back foot to Jalen Guyton that went for 72 yards. We saw some big-time throws versus the Kansas City Chiefs as well. He was feeding the ball in the tight windows. He was playing very well. And the thing that has impressed me the most about Justin Herbert is his accuracy, his ball placement, his decision-making, and his creativity. So far, Justin Herbert has completed 72% of his passes, 931 yards, five touchdown passes, three interceptions, and a 102 pass rating through three games as a starter. This guy, Justin Herbert, has gone head-to-head with Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, and played Tom Brady down to the wire. This guy took the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs to overtime. Patrick Mahomes was pretty good, okay? This guy has the talent to be something special in the National Football League, in my opinion, man. 
And the things that I mentioned that I was impressed about in regards to Justin Herbert as far as his accuracy, his ball placement, those were things that he struggled with at Oregon. And he has corrected those things so far in the National Football League. So, man, I got to say, Justin Herbert, he looks to be proving me wrong. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. When new evidence presents itself, I have no problem coming on the show and admitting, hey, I laid an egg. I was wrong. And so far, Justin Herbert... His career is off to a pretty good start. I have, I have been very impressed by what I have seen from Justin Herbert through his first three career NFL starts. Justin Herbert has the potential to be a very special quarterback. Justin Herbert has shown elite flashes through his first three NFL starts, and that's a good sign if you are a Chargers fan because he has the potential to be your franchise quarterback for the future, most definitely. Okay, everyone, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns as I release a couple short clip episodes on YouTube, you know, a couple days ago talking about those teams. So those of you that are listening that are listening on podcasting platforms, if you just solely listen on podcasting platforms, you guys have not heard my thoughts on Dan Quinn being fired. You guys have not heard my latest thoughts on the Browns. I believe the Browns are a legit playoff team. And I recently admitted that I was wrong about Ben Roethlisberger. These episodes were were made roughly about a week ago, so some of the things I'm talking about might be in a little bit past tense just because I'm addressing it now, and some of these events, you know, occurred about a week ago, but I still think that that these episodes are very relevant to this show. So without further ado, I present to you those short clip episodes. I will be right back very shortly. This is the Juice Alert, episode number 18. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Atlanta is officially out of the playoff race, especially when you take into account the Atlanta Falcons are playing in the NFC South division. As of right now, Tampa Bay and New Orleans look like playoff teams to me, even though I do think that New Orleans has some questions, but they're still better than uh, Atlanta. Tampa Bay looks pretty good, you know, and not to mention even Carolina right now has a better record. Then the Atlanta Falcons. We're not we're not even gonna talk about Green Bay and Seattle when comparing them to Atlanta because Atlanta, they don't match up with those teams at all. I believe the Atlanta Falcons are best served hitting the reset button. This team needs to go into a full rebuild mode and they need to clean house. That is what is best for the franchise's future as of today. As of, as of early October 2020, as of right now, with this team being 0-4, this team needs to go into full rebuild mode. And honestly, if I were the Atlanta Falcons, I would start to tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or maybe Trey Lance. I would start unloading this team. I would start putting Julio Jones on the trading block. I would start putting Calvin Ridley potentially on the trading block. I would look to maybe move Grady Jarrett or Deion Jones. And at some point, whether it's during this season or in the offseason, I know some Falcons fans are going to hate me for saying this, but hear me out. The Atlanta Falcons, at some point this season or next season, they need to look to move on from Matt Ryan, and they need to look to trade Matt Ryan. Let me say that once again. The Atlanta Falcons need to look to try to trade Matt Ryan at some point this season 
or next season. And by the way, me saying that is not an indictment on Matt Ryan as a quarterback at all. Now, is Matt Ryan the same quarterback that won an MVP a couple years ago that got the Falcons to the Super Bowl? No, he's not that same quarterback. However, Matt Ryan is very reliable. Matt Ryan, he, he rarely misses games. He's very durable. He's a solid decision maker. He's pretty accurate. Throws a good deep ball when you give him, when you give him time in the pocket. You could do a whole lot worse than Matt Ryan being your starting quarterback. Matt Ryan is a very good, reliable quarterback that's won a lot of games and has accomplished a lot in the National Football League. But in an increasingly mobile league at the quarterback position, when you look at guys like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, even guys like Aaron Rodgers and the young gun in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, they can move around the pocket. Matt Ryan doesn't fit the mold of 2020 quarterbacks. He just doesn't. He's not the most mobile guy anymore. He never has been the most mobile guy. He's a throwback pocket passer. And Matt Ryan, he's 35 years old. Matt Ryan, over the last three seasons, has a 14-21 and 21 record. And I think, the, I think the Falcons have reached their ceiling with Matt Ryan. The Falcons need to restart. They have reached their ceiling with Matt Ryan, and they need to find a way to tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or maybe draft Trey Lance. The Atlanta Falcons have no business trying to compete in 2020 because they don't have the team to compete in 2020. And honestly, like I said, Matt Ryan, listen, we, we've seen this guy get to a Super Bowl. The opportunity was blown. The Falcons are not going to get back with Matt Ryan. The writing is on the wall. The Falcons need to get the fans excited once again. When I think of the Atlanta Falcons, and I think Matt Ryan is their quarterback, I don't get excited anymore. But if the, if their quarterback for the future is Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I'm kind of excited. And they need to rebuild the Falcons with Atlanta. Your team's not going anywhere. You've had all these years with Matt Ryan to try to win a Super Bowl. Do Matt Ryan a favor and trade him to a better team that could utilize him. There is a team out there that that this offseason would like to have Matt Ryan. I don't I don't know if you could trade Matt Ryan during the season, but in the offseason, if you could trade away Matt Ryan, if you have a bad record, do it. Let's say the New York Giants or the New York Jets have a top three pick in this upcoming draft, and that's very likely, why not trade away Julio Jones and try to move up to get to that spot? Why not trade away Julio Jones or Grady Jarrett or Deion Lewis, uh, Deion Jones, excuse me, Deion Jones, their star linebacker. Why not trade away some of those players and try to get that number two, number three, or number one overall pick so you can select a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields to restart your franchise? I don't, I think that, I don't think I'm crazy here, people. I think the Falcons need to restart. Okay, listen, this team is not going anywhere, and this team is not going to be competing in the NFC 
or be a perennial playoff team. The writing's on the wall. The Falcons have reached their ceiling with Matt Ryan. They've reached their ceiling with Dan Quinn. Julio Jones deserves to go to a contending team like the Philadelphia Eagles potentially. You know, whatever team needs a wide receiver at the moment is the team that Julio Jones should go to. You know, do Julio Jones a favor. Do Matt Ryan a favor. Trade them away. Restart things. You know, retool the franchise and clean house. If the Atlanta Falcons are truly smart, they need to trade away Matt Ryan, they need to fire Dan Quinn, and they need to clean house and rebuild this franchise from the ground up. And honestly, if you can do that with Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, that is the ideal situation for the Atlanta Falcons going forward as far as their future is concerned. I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns because the Cleveland Browns absolutely curve-stomped and mollywopped and destroyed the Dallas Cowboys this past Sunday in Jerry World, and they got a big-time win. They won that game 49-38, to and the Cleveland Browns are now 3-1 and on the season. Now, I could take this time to poo-poo the Cowboys and say, Dallas sucks, they stink, they're no good, I told you Cowboys fans. And yes, I told you Cowboys fans, you know, I listen, Dallas has been everything that I said they were going to be in the offseason. In the offseason, I said Dallas is going to put up a lot of points. And guess what? They put up a lot of points. Their offense has been has been very, very good. It's been prolific at times. Has that offense come to life in garbage time most of the time? Yeah, but for the most part, Dak Prescott, that offense, they're moving the football pretty well. Dak's putting up good numbers. But I said, Dak Prescott, he is, he's not very good at winning big games versus winning teams. I said that defense was going to be absolute do-do. And guess what? All those things have been true. I also said that Mike McCarthy is not a great head coach. He's an average coach at best, and Dallas fans did not want to listen to me. And, well, it looks like so far I've been right. Dallas is not a contender. I told you guys Dallas was not a Super Bowl contender. I told you that Dallas was not a playoff team. And so far, I'm going to stand by those statements. But I want to focus in on the Cleveland Browns in this episode because at one point in that game, the score was 41 to 14 in favor of Cleveland. So when you look at the final box score, you say, you look at that score and you see 40, 49 to 38. And you say, oh, the game was kind of relatively close. No, for the most part, Cleveland dominated most of this game. Like I said, at one point, the game was 41 to 14. Cleveland was in cruise control of the game. You know, the Browns, they've been bad for so long. I'm so happy the Cleveland Browns got a huge win, man. You know, for the last 20 years, Cleveland's been a laughingstock. And, you know, I picked the Cleveland Browns to make the playoffs in the offseason. And so far, I'm going to stick to that pick. You know, I'm going to stick to that pick based on what I've seen. I do think that Cleveland has the potential to lose to Indianapolis this week just because the Indianapolis Colts have a very good defense, actually the number one defense in the NFL. And Cleveland is coming off an emotional win, you know, a big primetime win versus Dallas that was nationally televised. So Cleveland, don't smell yourself too much. Indianapolis could spoil your party, you know, this Sunday in Cleveland, okay? But even if the Browns were to lose to the Colts, I still have a lot of confidence in this team going forward, okay? You know, Looking at the Cleveland Browns on the season, sure they beat the Bengals, sure they beat the Washington football team when Dwayne Haskins, you know, pretty much give wrapped them the game with all of his turnovers, you know. But this was a game that Cleveland sort of needed to win. This was a game that Cleveland kind of needed to at least play well in to say, hey, at least we might have arrived. 
And guess what? I think Cleveland has officially arrived at least this year. The Cleveland Browns versus Dallas had 307 rushing yards. That is mind-boggling to me. They control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football for the entire game, you know, both on offense and defense. Nick Chubb, you know, he's out for he's out for a little while. You know, he suffered an injury in the game. But Cleveland still has a very good run game despite Nick Chubb, you know, having to miss some time potentially. You know, they've, got, they've still got Kareem Hunt. He's very, very good, you know. Nick Chubb is a blow to their team. But, man, I got to say, Baker Mayfield was efficient. You know, he played very well, had two touchdowns in the game, had a pass rating of 100. And listen, man, Baker Mayfield is now finally realizing, I don't have to be Superman. I don't have to be Superman. Because Baker Mayfield last year tried to do way too much too often. And that got Baker Mayfield into some trouble, you know, at times. You know, he was throwing interceptions. He was wildly inaccurate at times, made some bad decisions. But now that Baker Mayfield has an improved offensive line, now that Baker Mayfield has a real run game, and now that now that Baker Mayfield has a guy in Kevin Stefanski that understands what Baker Mayfield is and understands what Baker Mayfield does well and what he doesn't do well, now Baker Mayfield looks like a franchise quarterback from time to time. Now, there's going to come a point in time where Baker Mayfield is going to have to go out there and flat out win the Cleveland Browns a game or two because at some point the Cleveland Browns running game is going to get taken away. So the only real question I have for Cleveland is can Baker Mayfield make the necessary throws to, you know, win a shootout with Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, you know, or Ben Roethlisberger. Can he do that? That's the biggest question for Cleveland going forward. But I like Baker Mayfield. I liked Baker Mayfield when he was coming out of Oklahoma. He took a step back this, this past year. This year he's taking a step forward. He's playing very well. And like I said, man, Cleveland, they got some real players. They've got a, they've got very good wide receivers. Oda Beckham Jr. had a great game. And I am so happy that Kevin Stefanski has found very creative ways to get Oda Beckham Jr. involved within this offense. Freddie Kitchens last year did not know how to utilize Oda Beckham Jr. properly. The Cleveland Browns offense suffered because of it. Well, guess what? This year, the Cleveland Browns have a real head coach that knows what he's doing. And so far, Cleveland, they look pretty good, man. You know, I really like what I've seen from Cleveland. Miles Garrett is also a beast coming off the edge. Miles Garrett right now might be the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. It's either Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. You know, I think that Khalil Mack might be in that conversation. But for my money, for what it's worth right now, either TJ Watt or Miles Garrett are the best edge rushers in the National Football League. It's between those two, and I would actually pick Miles Garrett. I would give him the slight edge over TJ Watt. Miles Garrett's a beast. The last three games, he's had a sack in each game. He's forced a fumble in each game. He's wreaking havoc. And listen, you can't, you know, block Miles Garrett one-on-one. And if you do block Miles Garrett one-on-one, he's going to make you pay. Miles Garrett, he was picked number one overall a couple years ago. He is definitely a hit. And I got to say, man, Cleveland improved offensive line. Improved head coach, a new rejuvenated Baker Mayfield that understands what he needs to do to win football games, a real run game, star wide receivers, a defense that can rush the passer. You know, the back end of the secondary is a little bit of a question, but Cleveland, their defense is good enough. And I think Cleveland's going to be a playoff team this year. The Cleveland Browns got a very impressive win versus Dallas, and I am so happy for the Cleveland Browns. It's very interesting because when I look at Baltimore and Pittsburgh, those two teams look pretty good, and Cleveland's right there with them. 
the AFC North might very well get three playoff might might very well get three teams into the playoffs in 2020, and that would be super fun. But look out, people, because the Cleveland Browns, they are a legit playoff team in 2020, in my opinion. I want to shift to Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the offseason, I doubted Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. I said the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to be an 8-8 eight and eight football team. I did not expect them to make the playoffs. I said this team had a very good defense, but lack of perimeter weapons on the outside of wide receiver and tight end. I wasn't a huge believer in the wide receivers that Pittsburgh had, but so far those wide receivers look pretty good. And I also had questions about Ben Roethlisberger. As Ben Roethlisberger last year suffered a major injury, and Ben Roethlisberger, for what it's worth, he's 38 years old, and he's coming off a major surgery, I have my concerns. I think that those concerns were somewhat warranted, some, somewhat, you know, fair, unfair. You guys can judge that. But I will say, Pittsburgh so far during the 2020 NFL season through three games has been better than I thought. The offensive line's played pretty well. The defense has been doing damage like I predicted, like I projected they would. Juju Smith-Schuster has looked good. Deontay Johnson has looked good. James Washington has looked good. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is spreading the ball around to these guys. Eric Ebron is a pretty good red zone target. And Chase Claypool, their rookie wide receiver out of Notre Dame, has made some big splashy plays, you know. And so far, Pittsburgh is 3-0, you know. But here's the thing. I'm not quite sold on Pittsburgh just yet. I want to see Pittsburgh, you know, play for about another two weeks or so, you know, I think that if they can beat Philadelphia and whoever is up next on their schedule, if they can, you know, look good in their next couple of games, win or lose, I might be all in on Pittsburgh being a playoff team. You know, the only reason why I've kind of pushed back on Pittsburgh being a playoff team is just because the three teams they have beaten have been the Giants, the Broncos, and uh, what's their team? The Texans. Yes, the Texans. And all three of those teams have been combined for one win on the season. So I want to see if Pittsburgh is for real. You know, based, because when I look at Pittsburgh and their roster and when I watch the games, they pass the eye test. But I want to see them go up against a legit opponent before I kind of say, hey, Pittsburgh, I'm all in. But the one thing that I can admit is I think that Ben Roethlisberger is still capable of playing at a high level. You know, I could question the Pittsburgh Steelers and whether or not they're going to melt down the stretch because, you know, in 2018, the team at one point was 7-2-1 and through 10 games and missed the playoffs. So we've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers unravel in the past down the stretch, but I will say I whiffed on Ben Roethlisberger. If the Steelers are going to miss the playoffs or underperform this year, it's most likely not going to be based on Ben Roethlisberger. You know, maybe maybe Ben, you know, shows up late in the season and is looking washed. Maybe he doesn't last the full season. But so far, so good from the eye test in regards to Ben Roethlisberger. I've, I've loved what I've seen from Ben Roethlisberger. I think that Big Ben Roethlisberger is officially back, man. I doubt it, Big Ben, you know. But Big Ben, he's moving around pretty well. He's still very accurate. You know, he's, a very, he's been making very good decisions. There is still some zip to the football. He still has that big, strong arm that we all know and love him for. That's, he had an 84-yard touchdown pass to Chase Claypool where he just flicked the ball uh, 50 yards down the field with ease versus the Denver Broncos. Chase Claypool did the rest, ran for about 30 yards for a touchdown. There was also a touchdown to Eric Ebron in the back of the end zone. 
It was a thing of beauty. He also hit Deontay Johnson on the run for a touchdown versus the Denver Broncos, you know, where he just ran outside the pocket and delivered a dart in the end zone. That was a great throw. And listen, man, I doubted Ben Roethlisberger, but I think that Ben Roethlisberger is still a, a quarterback that is more than capable of winning you a Super Bowl and more than capable of playing at a high level. Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, is officially back. And listen, Ben Roethlisberger really worked hard in the offseason. You know, there was an interview that he did with Kirk Herbstreit on Monday Night Football. I listened to it before the Monday Night Football game versus the New York Giants. And he talked about, you know, some of the things that, you know, he was focusing on focusing on in the offseason. He talked about getting getting into the right shape. He talked about, you know, still, still feeling that he has a lot to offer the game of football. He wanted to return for his teammates, and he wanted to get back to playing some Pittsburgh Steelers football. Ben Roethlisberger, you can tell he put in the work. You can tell his rehab went very well. You can tell the surgery went very well. And Ben Roethlisberger's arm looks good as new, man. He's moving around. He's making plays. And listen, man, you got to be able to have good quarterback play in today's NFL if you want to win a Super Bowl. You know, we saw the San Francisco 49ers, you know, kind of hide Jimmy Garoppolo for the full season up until they faced Patrick Mahomes, and they could hide Jimmy Garoppolo no more. Jimmy Garoppolo had to make the throws to win the game. He could not. Patrick Mahomes did make the throws versus the 49ers defense, and, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl as a result over the 49ers, despite the 49ers maybe having a more complete roster. So Ben Roethlisberger, I doubted him. I was wrong about Ben Roethlisberger, not quite officially sold on Pittsburgh. If I were to guess right now if they make the playoffs, I'd probably say yes. But again, I've seen in years past where Pittsburgh has unraveled down the stretch. So I'm not officially going to say that I was wrong about Pittsburgh. You know, I want to wait about a couple more games. I want to kind of see them play, you know, some better teams before I say, hey, I'm on the Pittsburgh bandwagon. But so far, Pittsburgh looks good. And Ben Roethlisberger is officially back. He's playing at a high level. In the past couple of years, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo get to a Super Bowl. We've seen Nick Foles get to a Super Bowl. We've seen Jared Goff get to a Super Bowl. You know, a, you know, a little while back, we saw Joe Flacco get to a Super Bowl in, I believe, 2013. It was either 2013 or 2012. Joe Flacco got to a Super Bowl. We've seen a washed-up Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl. The way Ben Roethlisberger is playing right now, he is more than capable of playing a high level in the playoffs and leading the Pittsburgh Steelers to a Super Bowl title. I doubted Ben Roethlisberger, and I was wrong. And he is capable of playing at a high level and going out there and winning you a Super Bowl, no doubt about it. Well, people, that's pretty much all I have for episode number 18. This has been part number two. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and until next time. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juice Alert Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows, or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams 
and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juice Alert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day, and I'm out.